Welcome back to the Football Kingdom podcast. Week 13 is in the books, and we got a lot to cover. We're going to do things a little bit differently this week. I know we typically jump right into the Chiefs game, but there's a lot of moving parts that happened in both the NFC and the AFC this week, and I want to start by looking at a couple of the the NFC matchups and what they mean down the stretch. So Dallas hosted Seattle on Thursday night football and came away victorious in a really fun matchup and Dallas stayed undefeated at home. On the other side of things, jumping ahead to Sunday, 49ers who lost to the Eagles in the NFC Championship game in that same building. They've had this game circled for a long time and the 49ers felt like they should have won that game. They should have been playing the Chiefs in a Super Bowl and they might have had a point. They didn't have a quarterback for most of that game. So fast forward to this week, 49ers going on the road, scene of the crime, and they put a whooping on the Philadelphia Eagles on the road. Big statement, probably in a lot of people's eyes, are now solidified as the best team in the NFC over the Eagles. And this creates a really interesting situation for Philadelphia because with Dallas's win and Philadelphia's loss, Dallas is 9-3. and three. Philadelphia is now 10-2. and two. Philly, next week, goes on the road to Dallas, where Dallas just seemingly can't be beaten. The, the Cowboys are playing really good football. Dak Prescott looks as good as he has really ever looked. And for the first time pretty much this entire season, it, it kind of felt like Philly had the NFC locked up. But now we have two other teams that have kind of popped up. 49ers had a lull earlier in the season. They lost three straight games to teams that they probably shouldn't have lost to, but you go through stretches like that. Now they're playing really good football and they're knocking on the door to that one seed. And if Dallas wins on Sunday, Sunday night, that one seed picture just gets a little bit foggier and it's going to be really interesting down the stretch. I am Brandon Johnson. With me, as always, is Tyler Mallon. Tyler, what you got on these games? This is just as much a, you know, temperature check for the Cowboys as it is the Eagles. You know, the Eagles are, I'm not suggesting the Eagles are not deserving of 10-2, and but they've had some close games. They absolutely deserve that record. They are... You know, they've had some close ones, but have always came through on those close games, uh, particularly the Chiefs and uh, two games ago, I believe. But yeah, this is just as much like, can the Cowboys, you know, pull one out? I mean, they only <clears throat> beat them last time by five points. And um, yeah, we'll we'll see what the Cowboys can pull out because the the Eagles, the rest of the Eagles schedule is... Other than this Cowboys game, I don't see them losing. It's Seahawks, Giants, Cards, and Giants again. So they're, you know, sitting in the driver's seat, you know, for where they're at now, 10-2. and 
Cowboys still have the Bills, the Dolphins, Lions, and Commanders. You know, other than the Commanders, that's a pretty tough schedule um, to try to come back and, and pull out some wins here. But it's really still more down to um, the Eagles and Niners uh, to kind of see who can who can pull, get that one seed. Yeah, as you said, the Cowboys, uh, that is no cakewalk. They're obviously, Eagles, they're playing, they're going to play a very, very desperate Bills team based off of the results, you know, whatever happens against the Chiefs. And then Dolphins, who's, you know, often, offense is electric. Lions, Lions, I mean, they're not, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they are the one seed, depending on how all this stuff shakes out over the next couple of weeks. But 49ers, um, they're kind of on the softer side of the schedule as well with the Eagles. Uh, they, they're toughest. I've kind of, I've kind of lost interest in the Seahawks, um, but just based off the last few weeks, so their toughest game on the schedule is the Ravens on Christmas, right? Um, and the Rams are starting to play some good football too. So that that Week 18 game against the Rams is. Uh, could be important for the 49ers and um but I'm with you I think that it's going to be between the 49ers and Eagles just whoever takes care of business the way that they're supposed to and um it, I say that but if Dallas wins I have to I have to start respecting Dallas a little bit more than I have and it's in it's easy to be down on Dallas just based on their history of, Oh, they do this every season where they're just regular season warriors. Um, so, you know, I, if they win against Philly, they'll earn my respect. Yeah. Cause they'll be, they're both, they'll both be 10 and three at that point. And again, it really comes down to how you finish out. That's those last four games. But yeah, the the Eagles have a much easier slate. The Cowboys have a pretty tough, you know. So nobody's gonna hold it against them for not winning that division by a long shot. And I don't, I'm not gonna take a whole lot unless they just look terrible. You know, you're not gonna glean a whole lot of information. I don't really think that this Cowboys team will fall off that much. You know, they've they've kind of done it in the last two years, like we keep saying, but. This is kind of their moment to be like this. That that time is over. We're gonna move forward and be successful, and we're actually yeah. gonna go play a real game and not, you know, lose it ourselves. Sure, yeah. If there was ever a time to erase a narrative, the time is now right. for the Dallas Cowboys. For but, sure. Yeah, that's that's a that's a look at the the NFC right now and. Uh, again, it's just seemingly overnight got very, very interesting for most of the season. Again, it, it felt like, it felt like Philly was just going to roll with this thing. And I still, I still have to lean Philly cause they have, They haven't really had a stretch this season. I mean, they got off to a slow start, but they were winning games. They haven't had a stretch this season like the Niners have had, where you're like, what is going on yeah. with that team? But 
you know, and we say like, oh, you know, a couple of things go differently. Like they lose to the Chiefs if MBS catches that football. They lose to the Bills if Gabe Davis runs the correct route or Josh Allen throws it to the right spot. Whatever happened there, like you could say that, but at the end of the day, like that's not what happened, and they're ten and two rather than eight and four. So, but again, moving on to AFC, one of the the bigger games of the week that I don't think we would have said. A month ago was the Houston Texans hosting the Broncos. Broncos were a team that at the deadline we thought were going to have a fire sale and get rid of everybody. And Houston didn't really have expectations this season. They had a rookie quarterback. They had NCJ Stroud. They had a brand new head coach and D'Amico Ryans. And they have absolutely exceeded expectations. I mean, a week ago, Houston was playing against Jacksonville and the winner of that game would have been in first place in the AFC South. Um, Houston fell short because they missed a field goal, but they're in these games. They're ahead of schedule and they have basically a, in my opinion, a playoff game against the Broncos at home. And the Texans came away with a win. And at this point I am confident that I think the Texans are going to be a playoff team. Well, yeah, especially after last night's uh, injury to uh, Trevor Lawrence. And then the Colts are not quite as strong. They're on a four-game winning streak. But, yeah, I think the Texans are much younger, much hotter, you know, team at the right time kind of thing. But they certainly, at this point, with Lawrence down for who knows how long with a high ankle sprain, uh, it's kind of wide open now. They kind of kicked the door in, if you will. And that, that game against the Broncos, they had some mistakes. They probably could have put the game away a little bit quicker. But again, young team, Broncos have been really good. But they still, you know, as I keep saying, their Broncos offense is not past the eye test to me. They've, they're have they incredibly well coached and a very good team. But yeah, this Texans team could absolutely take over the AFC South. Yeah, now obviously they're below the the Colts in the standing and standings and Jacksonville holds that first place. But uh, like you said, it's going to, I think Jacksonville will be contingent on Trevor Lawrence's health and high ankle sprain. Unless you're Patrick Mahomes, you know, should sideline you, but I don't know. Players are different now. They, they, they rest players differently and prepare them differently. So I, I, all that being said, like I wouldn't be shocked if, Trevor Lawrence is out there in some capacity on Sunday. Yeah, I'm not sure why the why they're above them, the Colts. Oh no, okay, so yeah, they did win the first matchup, so they already have the tiebreaker on them. Oh, and then they meet them again. Yeah, it's head wow, to head. So that'll there. be good. Yeah. yeah, Texans play Colts. No. Yeah, down the stretch. 18, so down the stretch, yeah, at the very end, that'll be could be an important, a very very important game for both of those teams. Which again, we we previewed the AFC at the beginning of the year. And we kind of were like, yeah, AFC South stinks, but and mainly just because of like inexperience and unknowns, but it's been really fun to see it all play out. So wait, you said you think, uh, Lawrence will be out there. I saw earlier today, Doug Peterson said they expect Trevor Lawrence to play Sunday, but Wow. That was a few hours ago. So, okay. 
that's shocking because <laughs> that what I saw last night is he's out for weeks. Not not based on even the injury he's he you know he suffered. It's more of like how gingerly he was walking. Which get this man a cart, please. Yeah, like they they've got him like walking to the locker room, like through the bowels <laughs> of the stadium yeah. for like a mile. I'm like, can you? at least get the man a wheelchair <laughs> like this yeah. is your franchise you know limping <laughs> and, uh, around let me let me correct myself on uh what doug peterson said he said he's not putting a timetable on lawrence's recovery but he didn't rule him out for this week and it's definitely not season ending so he didn't okay. say he expects him to play but he said i'm not ruling him out so right it's it's a possibility based on the severity of the injury and how he how right. his body reacts to it Okay. But again, yeah, we, uh, just, I did not expect to be talking about a really fun AFC South in December of this season. It's a, it's a, it's a welcome surprise. So Tyler, it's time to get to some business that we have. Uh, Kansas city chiefs. Went on the road to Green Bay against the Green Bay team that's playing its best football. And we talked about it last week in, uh, you know, earlier in the season, this looked like a just would have been a cakewalk of a game. But we talked about it last week and said, ah, Green Bay's could be a tough game, could be a close game. And Kansas City ends up losing to Green Bay. They left a lot of points on the board. Um. Defense looked incredibly vulnerable. I mean, both offenses were rolling, and Chiefs couldn't get it done in the red zone. Just, uh, it's a a tough pill to swallow for the Chiefs because this is a game that they should have won and needed to win because next week they're going to play a a really desperate Buffalo Bills team that has had their number in the regular season and seasons past. Yeah, this one, this was a very tough game for me because yeah, you expect to go in and again, we've both really liked Jordan love and his, his game. Like he definitely has game. They really kind of fell off there for a bit and looked like one of the worst teams in the league. And then they come out and do this to the chiefs. And yeah, the Chiefs just are still making the same mistakes. Not as many drops, but I mean, we're week 13 and no, no we're not on the same page. You know, like the, the interception was definitely somebody didn't do something right. And I'm going to point the finger at probably Sky Moore. You have to. Slowing down his route. Like, what are we doing there? And then, well, go ahead. Even if it wasn't on Sky Moore, like it's on Sky Moore. (laughs) Sky Moore has done nothing to earn the benefit of the doubt. Sure. And that, I mean, yeah, I don't know what his stat line was, but he may have had two catches or something. It's, it's just frustrating when it's Mahomes out there. And yeah, he had two targets, one catch. So. I don't know. We are, they're feeding uh, Pacheco. 
you know, but they, he can't be your whole offense. Like he is going to run out of gas as much of a, you know, just explosive, you know, runner that he is. You cannot give him your whole offense because they're going to see through that eventually and make a stop. But, you know, he's going to get tired. Like we have to have, it's, you can't be one dimensional, you know, so uh, it, it's looking better in terms of the wide receivers, kind of, because they're giving Rice a lot more snaps. Yeah, I think he had uh, 46. Um, yeah, Skymore had 40. Watson had 40. I mean, MVS is a disaster. I don't, yeah. I was trying not to say his name, so we're not getting cutting to the end of the game. But also, though, <clears throat> point I wanted to make was the Packers scored on every drive. Okay, that's not uh that's not going to happen every game. Okay? Like they played a pretty much perfect game up until like, you know, the last 5 minutes of the game or something. You know, like they they pretty much played perfect football and just went on these long drives, you know, and scored touchdown after touchdown. All right, so that's kind of where I, I give the Chiefs a little bit of a pass. They scored a touchdown in every quarter up until the fourth, the Packers. And again, the Chiefs, uh, another point of the margin of error is basically zero. With how little weapons, or just how little people are performing, you know, they're like Mahomes can't make any mistakes, or his receivers, or everybody on the team, essentially. Like, there's just zero margin of error when there's this many mistakes and this much off time and, you know, everything. It's just, can't really win like that. No, you, yeah, you can't win that way. And it's, like, in a lot of ways, it's, I don't, I think miserable is a strong word, but it's made Chiefs games like, oh, this is a, yeah. a tough watch. Because it's just like, what what are we doing? Like you have your players running wrong routes, and I'm looking at I'm looking at the snap counts for the game, and man, like Rasheed Rice, it, he needs to be on the field more. He was on the field a lot, but he needs to be on the field more. Your your top skill position players need to be Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco, Rasheed Rice. It's weird to say, but Justin Watson, um, he's. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to be your number one guy, but he needs to be up there. And I think they need to find a way to incorporate Noah Gray more. And I just kind of play with their personnel a little bit because like Sky Moore, Sky Moore and MVS need to be as far away from critical situations as possible. Like MVS right now, like they're trying so hard to make that guy your deep threat, but multiple weeks I mean, two weeks in a row at least, and, and I could be misremembering. I know it's happened a lot this season, but he's your deep guy, and he just he just doesn't get it done. And I see, I see no, I I do not see him being on the Chiefs next season. I see him being cut this off season, and them saying, "Good luck, <laughs> have fun somewhere else." Yeah, I think you're right, and I I wonder. You know, who, when do we start pointing the finger at the play calling? Because there's been a little bit of success with Pacheco, I would say a lot, 
the dude ran out of his mind, you know, and it was very successful. But again, you cannot be one-dimensional. And again, you cannot have basically any mistakes. Like, one turnover was the game. Well, you know, that one turnover, you even felt it. You know, and then, like, how much of it is, uh... Oh, geez. Um, well, DLC. <laughs> Matt and Aggie, yeah. Yes. Well... Play call like for me, it doesn't feel like a play calling issue. It just feels like an execution issue. It just feels like it, it feels like thirteen weeks into the season, like you would you would have liked oh. to see a step forward, and you haven't. And but you have, and we were we were sold on this lie by the front office that. Man, this we we believe in this wide receiver group. Like they're gonna be good, and we they've been telling us, oh, you know, we're starting to figure things out, and we've believed it. But at a certain point, like this is who they are. I don't think it's a play calling thing. I don't think it's. I think it's a personnel issue. I think it's an execution issue. Well, it that I think both can be true, because and we we did believe it because it's Mahomes. We know he's special. He's different, and you just expect like it does. You can throw, you know the mailman out there and he's going to make plays for you because it's Patrick Mahomes. Certainly not the case, you know, he's, he can't make the, you know, your wide receiver core that much better, obviously. So yeah, what I'm saying is it's more of like, if you're wanting, you know, these playmakers, like you're talking about, like you have to make, you know, call the plays that are getting the ball into these guys' hands. And it, it feels like, Everything is going a million miles per hour for Mahomes. Like he's there's just nobody open. He doesn't there's just I feel like they should simplify it. It's something actually Peyton Manning said on uh the Manning cast last night where he was talking about um Browning and they were like, Yeah, all they're telling this guy, this rookie QB for the the Bengals, you know, they're like, Look for uh Chase and look for your tight end and then your check down. And that's it. He's like, give him two reads, and that's all you got to do. Now, Mahomes is clearly not, a, you know, a first-year, uh, first-starting uh, rookie, but I just feel like they need to simplify some things and just get the ball into the hands because they, they do it, you know, early in the game, and then they just open up the playbook, it feels like. You know, because they do. They get the ball to Rishi Rice, let him run, you know, and then they just don't anymore. You know, it's just there has to be something they can do to actually get the playmakers. And it's like Kelsey's not, you know, he's barely out there, it seems like. Yeah, he's just pretty much invisible because he's being covered because defense is no, like, he's really the only guy we got to worry about. But again, right. like you said it earlier, like, they're not getting open. Again, I don't think that's a play calling issue. Like, your your job as a, a wide receiver is to be open and catch the football, and we have <laughs> that's no, true. We have nobody that can do that. That's 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 <laughs> two. That's two of the main things that you do. Right, like, you're not <laughs> wrong, but I also think it goes to play calling of like, how can we get these guys open? You know, you're absolutely right. You're paid it, to do that. That's your whole separation. job. That's like, yeah. It, right. That's like, I I don't know. I can't sit here and. I can't sit here and bash the play calling. I, I to me, it's like do I don't want to bash it. I just do, like do your job. Something needs to change because <laughs> it ain't working. Because again, yeah, these, these are very close. I mean, we we almost uh, the Chiefs, not we. The Chiefs almost beat the Eagles. 
You know, they left 21 points on the field that were all their mistakes. But yeah, exactly. Why why did that happen? It wasn't a play calling issue. It was because the receivers didn't do their job. That's it's not a play calling problem. Right. You have like Sky Moore bust, you know, same thing. Trade him. I don't know what value Mm. he has. Move him. He needs, you know, change of scenery. That's what he needs. MVS gone. Not cutting it. You know, Aaron Rodgers made you look good. We fell for it. Joke's on us. He really wasn't even that good when he was with Aaron Rodgers, though, either. He had a lot of problems. Yeah. Trying yeah, to be I mean, their deep there, too. So, But again, it's kind of on us for, for just blindly. And, and we, have, we have enough reason to just blindly right. believe Brett Veach. <laughs> and Mahomes. His, his resume speaks for itself. And, yeah, Patrick yeah. Mahomes, like... We believe in his ability that he can do pretty much anything. But I think we've learned, like, even last year, like, there, he didn't have, it wasn't like it was just nobody on the roster last year. Like, he had Juju, he had Travis Kelsey, like, he had somebody else. Like, this season, it just feels like Mahomes, it, like, Tom Brady, Tom Brady could, could make a janitor look good at <laughs> wide receiver. Yeah. I'm not right. saying Patrick Mahomes can't do that. But based on this, I he needs somebody. He doesn't need Tyreek Hill. It'd be nice to have Tyreek Hill, but he needs like that just kind of mid-tier receiver at least, and he doesn't even have that. And I think next year, I obviously. One, Rasheed Rice is just going to continue to get better and be a force for the Chiefs. And I think, obviously, they're going to address the wide receiver room in the offseason, probably going to draft somebody. Um, but to to kind of take the heat off of Sky Moore and MVS, you also have Kadarius Toney that... Like Whippy, he was he made big plays in the Super Bowl. Like good for him, but he's been a non-factor all season long. And you can say like it's because he's injured, and we're trying to just watch his health. Okay, but even when he's in the game and on the field, he's he's not he's not really accomplishing anything. He's just kind of unimpressive to me. Yeah, they just do like gadget plays with him, like direct snaps, and then hand it off to him. And that's it. That's his whole repertoire at this point. Yeah. But yeah, but let's. Uh, th- this was the most points that the Chiefs' defense have had given up all season. They gave up twenty-seven points, and I, I'm not mad at the defense. But what we've learned is one, like the de- if the defense isn't going to perform. We don't stand a chance. Uh, the Chiefs don't stand a chance. And because la- last week, let's look at the, the game against the Raiders. Chiefs went down 14 nothing. They were able to get back into it because the defense woke up. The defense never woke up. And the Chiefs were never able to get it back. They had chances, but again, on offense, they didn't execute the way that they were supposed to. And so if both, if two out of the three phases of your game are not working, it's a disaster, which is true for any team. But Anyway, that's 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 a uh, that's just a rant. It's a it's a frustrating frustrating loss. 
but let's I, I do want to there's a few things that happen in the game that I do want to talk about number one obviously MVS um, actually let, let me let me drop back so I thought this was a pretty clean game by the officials for the most part um, and I'll let you respond in a second to that Tyler but Chiefs had the ball late it was the final drive of the game Patrick Mahomes became a runner and in I Packers defender gets called for unnecessary roughness on a hit on Mahomes and in real time I was like that is not a flag oh my goodness that is not a flag and this is exactly why people think that the Chiefs get all the calls yeah. right here and I think that yeah and uh then you look at it and you're like wow yeah that was not a flag and no. uh then a few plays later, a just blatant missed call on what should have been defensive pass interference. The guy was just basically getting a piggyback ride on MBS. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's a makeup call. Like, no, it wasn't a makeup call. It was just a missed call. They just missed it. You can't, like, we can't have makeup calls in the NFL if that's what we're doing. That can't be a thing. You have to get every call right. And I know that that's not, that's not, like, realistic for that to happen. But we can't be, we can't be missing calls in very critical situations and games. And that seems to be the story, not only in Chiefs games, but in games across the league each and every week. And it's frustrating because you have people that, you know, I don't gamble, but you have people that gamble on these games <laughs> that they're, they're, you know, their money is getting messed with because of a bad product from an official standpoint. Or you just have people that think that the, the league is fixed because they're like, oh, here we go. Eagles are getting all the calls. Chiefs are getting all the calls. Who, you know, whatever elite team, here they go, getting all the calls. And for me, We've talked about this before on the show. Like, the officiating is just not where it should be for what is the king of sports in America. It's 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 got a lot of work to do, and it's a huge problem because, like, you could pick apart you like there's a lot of people taking screenshots of like here's illegal hands to the face here on Jordan Love's. Stupid throw to Romeo Dobbs. Um, there's, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's this holding call, there's that holding call. Like we could do that all day, but that's just counterproductive. But for me, you know, after everything I said there, the referees, the same way the players and coaches have to do a post game press conference, the referees should be required to do the exact same thing. So they can answer to, hey, why the heck did you call unnecessary roughness right there? Patrick Mahomes was clearly in bounds. Can you speak to that? What did you see? Why did you do that? Why didn't you call DPI there? Seemed pretty obvious to me. How do how does a whole staff of officials miss that? Like how how does that happen? And they should have to fumble through that and be embarrassed. They should. Where do you stand? I absolutely agree. There's never been any accountability. And I was trying to find it. There there was a, <clears throat> a response or a statement about that specific call, and they were like, well, um, it has to be 
um, like by the the rule of pass interference, like you have to significantly have a hindrance to the the wide receiver's ability to catch the ball. And you're like, bro, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Just say you missed the call so we can move on, please. You know, just be better. Like that, they literally came out with a statement. It was just like, yeah, that's, you know, uh, it wasn't, we didn't really miss a call. It's basically what he's saying. He's like, yeah, we, it was a no call and uh, that was a correct call. It's like, no, it wasn't. If that's the case, then change the wording or something because, I mean, he's clearly early. Because if that's the case, then every every time somebody gets there early, it's it's fine. Oh, did he have the ability to catch the ball? It's like, what a, you know, just so frustrating for yeah. them to come out with that statement and be like, okay, if this happened any other game and it happened all the time, there'd be flags every time because there are. Like, it, they're just coming out and now basically lying. You know, I really don't know what their messaging is. But yeah, I that probably is the, the answer is like just more accountability. And I, we, I don't know, we talk about it every year and there, it just never changes. There's just yeah. never an actual answer that can make it better. I, I just don't know why they don't hold them more accountable or yeah, uh, just no, be better. So something needs, something definitely needs to change. And I don't really know what the answer, I don't know if doing a press conference is the answer, but I think, I think somebody should have to answer to it. I don't know if it's the white cap or whatever, but, right. um, but also I don't NBA does this or they used to do this. I don't remember, but they used to do, uh, like a two minute report for the NBA officials at the end of the games. Here, here's a report on the final two minutes of the game and how the game was officiated and how it was called. And they're like, you know, the refs missed this call here or this call was correct here or blah, blah, blah. Mm. That's something okay. that the NFL should consider as well. And that's public. That's public information that they put out. Um, right. That's something in the NFL could figure out. Hey, you know, the last, here's your five minute report of this past game. And yeah, um, that unnecessary roughness call was the wrong call. The Chiefs got 15 yards that they shouldn't have received. The DPI, yep, we missed that. Yeah, we missed the... Yeah, there should have been a penalty in the end zone when Travis Kelsey got pushed, or whatever. Um, yeah. like, <laughs> Well, the, the Seahawks-Cowboys game, it was like... There was like two Cowboys drives in a row where they had like three or four pass interference. You know? And Pete Carroll's like beside himself. He's just like, what is happening? You know, <laughs> like, what are my guys supposed to do? Like, as a cornerback, how are you supposed to defend a receiver? It was, it was insane. I mean, there was literally like seven pass interference calls. And that, that wasn't the only, that game was insane Thursday night. But the whole, this whole week has been pretty bad. I don't have any examples to pull up, but there were some other games that had some pretty bad calls. And it's like, either, Make yourself, you know, noticeable and be like, listen, we're calling these plays. If you do it, we're going to throw flags or well, let the dudes play. Yeah. You know? I, I'm <laughs> don't miss of, obvious calls. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm a fan. Game. I'm a fan of let them play unless it's just egregious. Right. Like, I just like officials being the story at the end of the game is the worst thing for any sport whether Absolutely. yeah baseball football basketball like anytime it's like oh yeah this this umpire 
like his strike zone was terrible or Angel Hernandez missed another call <laughs> or like whatever. Like it's it's ridiculous. And I I know like that's why that's why Major League Baseball is highly considering having a robot umpire call <laughs> balls and strikes because right. it's such a problem. Like in for me it's like hey, at least there's some effort there to make their product better. Where NFL it's like uh, we're sorry, but we don't care because you're still going to watch. Uh, yeah, 20, 27 million of you watched the 49ers destroy the Eagles this week. So we don't care. You clearly don't either. It's yeah, just... and that's it, it makes it even worse when half the calls are called in from New York where they like they huddle up and they're just talking to each other when they're really just waiting for the call to come in. And it's like, what's the rule there? Like, I, I still don't understand that rule where they will like, oh, the call came in from the booth saying that was fine. You know, that wasn't actually roughing the passer or whatever. And that they're just so inconsistent with that call, too. It's like yeah. this call they should have gotten right. This should have came from New York and said, guys, we missed I, this. <laughs> you can't do that because they didn't throw a flag in the first place. So. Yeah, that's I, super frustrating. I, I agree. I think a flag should have to be thrown, but yeah, I think I think New York should do that like a lot. Like, hey, dum dums, uh, pick that, yeah, <laughs> pick that flag up because that was stupid. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's just there's inconsistency. Like, I think a few weeks ago, T.J. Watt got penalized for taking his helmet off on the field. Then literally the next game. Legereus Need takes his helmet off on the field, doesn't get penalized. It's like, <laughs> what's the rule? What's the rule? <laughs> you know? So yeah. let's just be consistent. Let's have accountability. Let's let's just do our jobs and not be the story of what was otherwise a really good game. And that is uh I mean, I want to get to one thing, let's go, let's look at the Chiefs matchup real quick. Chiefs are playing the Dolphins. Or not the Dolphins. They're playing oh, the they're playing the Bills <laughs> this week. And I said it earlier, playing a Bills team that is very, 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 very desperate. Um, they're a team that they've had the Chiefs number in the regular season. And I, Tyler, I'm actually a little bit concerned about this game for the Chiefs, but I think that they can actually afford to lose this football game. Okay. Um, I think you're right, especially with the other, um, the other teams, you know, vying for the, the the first the number one seed because they don't have like super easy schedules either it's not like they're just going to win all their games but i think past this game you know patriots raiders a burrowless Bengals, mm. and the chargers you know the yeah. bills like this i do i think the bills are probably going to give the chiefs their best game kind of a, a revenge game for all the times they've kind of been beaten and and they're they're trying to you know, get that uh, like maybe possibly the last wild card uh, that's going to be left over in the AFC. So you're probably right. This this is a scary game, and 
but yeah, I think you're making a good point of like, it's, it's losable and it's also not going to really affect too much at the end of the season. Cause yeah. you might, if we lose this game, I mean, is the one seed kind of out of the question? It would highly depend. I mean, it would depend on what everybody else does. Sure. Because you you look at the top four seeds right now. It's Dolphins one, Ravens two, Chiefs three, Jags four. Chiefs have head to head on the Dolphins. They have head to head on Jacksonville. They don't right. play the Ravens. So really I think I think well let's look at the yeah, I have the Dolphins schedule. Dolphins uh their schedule is not it's not easy. They get the Titans and the Jets in back-to-back weeks, and they go they go Cowboys, Ravens, right? Bills, Cowboys, Ravens, Bills. Um, that Cowboys, Ravens, or that Ravens Dolphins game on that's actually on New Year's Eve is going to be a huge game and could be, right. have one seed playoff implications. But then you're going to play a Bills team the following week that they might have to win that football game to make the playoffs, and they destroyed you already earlier in the season. <laughs> Yeah, and the Ravens, they play the Rams this week, then the Jags, the Niners, Dolphins, and the Steelers. So kind of the point I was getting at is like nobody really has an easier schedule, I think, than the Chiefs after obviously the Bills, like you're saying. So Yeah, the the only thing, like like you look at the Chiefs and like the same way that the Chiefs are playing for, you know, trying to win a one seed against the Patriots, the Patriots might be trying to play for the number one pick. So that might be just, uh, I mean, that, also that game got flexed out of primetime. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. that was funny. <laughs> um, That you're going on the road to Foxborough against a team that honestly, I have no idea who's even going to be the quarterback that week. And <laughs> a Raiders team on Christmas day that, pretty much have their number they always are interesting and then as you said earlier burrowless Bengals, uh the chargers matchup on the road the final regular season that game is interesting for me because that is going to be a head coach that i think is coaching for his life and another just kind of desperation attempt i, I there's zero percent or chance that i think the chargers a postseason team, but you have a coach that needs to keep his job. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I haven't really been following what the Chargers kind of beat writers are saying, but that that is interesting. I, I don't know if he'll be playing for his job or if it's kind of already done at that point. Because I mean, like I've said s- I don't think they're making the playoffs. So I've said that's it. The case he's probably done anyway. I've said it multiple times, like he's, he's done, but you know, if there's any, I guess, consolation, it's, you know, maybe if I beat the chiefs, I can keep it. (laughs) Right. So, but yeah, I think the chiefs have the, the softest schedule, um, down the stretch for the, the division leaders in the AFC. Um, one thing that kind of came up again this week is the tush push. Roger Goodell once again said he wants to ban the play. And I'm kind of torn on this. I go back and forth pretty much every week. The Eagles are the only team that seems to be just consistently successful at it. I mean, they actually ran it 
uh, Jalen Hurts when he had to go get tested for a concussion. They actually ran it with Marcus Mariota successfully. Um, and then the Packers ran the love shove on Sunday night and converted that play. But I here's where I'm at on this play. The tush push is it's boring. It's effective for the Eagles. And to me, I think that unless the entire league was just massively successful at this play, I think there's zero reason that they should ban this play. I think because there's only one team that can do it all the time. Um, Nobody else seems to. I think if it was like, okay, everybody's going for it automatically on fourth and one because they do the stupid tush push and like there's just like there's no suspense or no thrill really like right i i think they should keep it uh, ask me again next week and we'll see <laughs> but um i think since there's only one team that seems to be just consistently successful at it that i don't think that they should get rid of it yeah cuz they had brought in some rugby coach and perfected it clearly you know in one of their off seasons and have been like some ridiculous 80 or 90% successful. I'm very much like you. I right now this week I'm definitely like yeah, get rid of it. It's kind of boring because yes, it is like how do you stop it? But it's also like if it was my team doing it, I'd probably say, "Hey, this is great," you know, especially with like, you know, Eagles, you know, dang near winning the Super Bowl. It's just it's so ridiculously successful i mean they're getting i mean the there was a touchdown with the niners where he was still standing you know jalen hurts they pushed him like three or four yards into the end zone and he was he was like walking on top of his players because they just create this like wall that just he just surfs on top of and the dudes behind him just push him and i'm like that to me is like the one kind of frustrating part because when it's not like that and it's there's it's almost like a gray area where you just you surround the quarterback and you don't really know where he was stopped at, you know, which a lot of, you know, sneak QB sneaks are, but this makes it even more so where you really don't know where the ball should be placed. But again, they're usually getting essentially two yards per push, you know? So it's like, it's frustrating because it is so successful, but it's also like, can you really blame them? You know, it's really hard to, to say, can you really just say flat out ban? Is there a good enough reason, you know, to say you can't have that anymore? Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't think there is. I don't think, well, it's a boring play and it's ugly is a good enough reason to ban it. Because, like, you can't even play the the player safety card in this one. Like, that would be one thing. Like, man, players are just getting hurt too much. But that, unless I have missed it, I haven't seen anybody come out of the tush push injured. And now I haven't heard anything. Yeah, I haven't either. So for me, keep it. And I want to get us out of here on this one, Tyler. Um, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Mike Evans just recorded his 10th straight 1,000-yard season. Mike Evans has only been in the league for 10 years. <laughs> uh, so he's had a 1,000-yard season every year of his career in 
So just consistent, great target to have on your team. Um, I didn't realize he had even been in the league 10 years. I think that's probably more an indictment on the Bucks being pretty much irrelevant for most of his career. But right. 10 seasons, just consistently playing at a high level. High praise for him. All of Famer? I'd have to say so. The only other player to do that is Jerry Rice. And Jerry Rice had Joe Montana <laughs> for most <laughs> of his career. You know, and that I think that's even probably more impressive. Just just that that record alone. It's probably more impressive that he's done that in the era he's doing it in with the the QBs that he's had throwing him the ball. Probably says a lot about how talented he is. Because Jerry Rice did it for eleven years, had a thousand yards, um, and yeah, that's that that goes a long way to somebody to stand out to for him and in Jerry Rice. That's it. I think that alone should probably say, yeah, you're you're in the Hall of Fame. That's all we have this week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>